Well, we're going to continue in our series that we've been in this summer. We'll finish it next week. It's simply entitled Authentic. We've been looking at basically what does it mean to live authentically uh, in this walk, this, this, this faith in Christ. What does it look like authentically? And so what we've been doing is we've actually been going verse by verse through the book of James. And so I think today is going to be part six of this uh, series through the book of James. And so just to give you a little bit of a, uh, maybe like a recap on where we've been through the book of James, and you can kind of see where we've been verse by verse. Um, week one, the, the, the title week one, we, we, it was the bench test of the believer. And um, in other words, that the real test of the believer um, is not blessing, it's suffering. <laughs> that our true character comes out when we experience suffering. James says it like this, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because it produces perseverance, perseverance hope, so that you may be, ma- be made mature, complete, and not lacking anything. How many of you don't want to be lacking anything? Okay, well the means to not lacking is suffering. That the bench test of the believer is that God puts us to the test, that we go through the test of life, and we find out our weak points and where we need to continue to be strengthened. And so, uh, so we, we all try to avoid suffering in our lives, but God has used suffering to bring strength to people. Uh, that's, that is the bench test, is how we respond to suffering. And James says, consider it pure joy because you know God's doing something in your life. He's making you bigger, better, stronger if you're suffering. So how many of you are like, God's working on me, man. <laughs> he is working on me this week. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's continue on in that test. Week two, we talked about the perfect mirror. Uh, James says it like this. Like, there was this man, he looked in the mirror, and he left, he forgot what he looked like. And uh, in other words, like, the mirror, we all looked at it this morning, hopefully. You all look so beautiful, I can tell you, you used the mirror today. The mirror showed you all the places where you were unkept and ungroomed, and you corrected those things. You know, um, you know. Sometimes uh, this is this is TMI, but sometimes I wake up, I got like crazy eyebrows. You know, I'm like, wow, what was I doing last night? And so I, you know, and you, we use the mirror to to correct those little things. And uh, well, there's a perfect mirror we can look into, and the perfect mirror is the Bible. It's the Scripture, and when we re- look onto scripture, it reflects back to us all the areas that we are unkept and ungroomed. In other words, it, re- it shows us the areas of our life where there's sin in our life, and James says you got to get that out. And so when we, uh, to look at a mirror and forget what you look like, James says, is essentially you read the Bible and, you, and, you, and then you turn from the scriptures left unchanged. Let that not be said of us, but that when we look at the word of God, we allow it to change us. And we align ourselves to the image in the perfect mirror, which is the scripture. Then, then we continue through James, and we kind of the title just was simply "Me Prejudiced." Yeah, maybe, maybe you. That we kind of looked at some. Maybe there's some areas in our lives where we have some prejudice in our life, and uh, and may the Lord just continue just to help us in our compassion and to see people the way God sees them through His lens of love and mercy. And then we talked about dying faith. In other words, if you don't have a doing faith, you have a dying faith. So like when we got saved, 
we did not cross the finish line. We crossed the starting line. James says, show me your faith and I'll show you mine by what I do. So faith is an active faith. If it's not a doing faith, it's a dying faith. And last week, then we talked about it just takes one small spark. One small spark starts a great forest fire. And so last week we really talked about our mouth, talked about our words, talked about how we cause forest fires when we speak, uh, when, we, uh, when we are not wise in our speech. And so, um, so the key to right talk, right, which was last week, right talk, the key to right talk is right thought. So James is going to actually transition now from right talk to right thought. The tongue um, is contained by a, a cage of teeth and the gates of lips, but yet it still escapes, doesn't it? And it is not intelligence that keeps the lock on that cage. It's not intelligence. It's wisdom. It's wisdom. A wisdom that is characterized by humility, by grace, and peace. So this morning, we're going to continue in James. We're going to talk about wisdom from above and below. Two kinds of wisdom. Wisdom from above and wisdom from below. Wisdom is a precious, precious, valuable asset in life. Wisdom comes from God. And seeking wisdom, understanding, and knowledge of God's will should be the central focus of every believer. So if we want to live authentically, we need to seek wisdom and how to live authentically. So next verse we're picking up on from last week, James 3.13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from what? Comes from wisdom. Let them show it by their good life. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show off. No, that's not what it says. Don't show off. You don't show it off. You show it by. There's a big difference in the two kinds of wisdom of showing it off and showing it by. Godly wisdom, wisdom from above we'll see, is actually a wisdom that shows it by a good life. It shows it by deeds in humility. But wisdom from below, wisdom from below is a show it off kind of wisdom. Not in humility, but arrogance and pride and crassness and harshness and defensiveness. So, so the first thing I want you to know about wisdom, when we talk about wisdom, wisdom is behavior. James says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life and their deeds. The wisest among us it don't necessarily have the best knowledge, but they live the best life. They have good deeds. Wisdom is behavior. Let me tell you to this way. Knowledge is knowing. Wisdom is doing. 
Come on, is this helping somebody? How many times, maybe if you're a parent, have you had to say, you know the right thing here? <laughs> like, like, you know this. Maybe you're a coach or a teacher, and you look at s- someone in your classroom, someone on your team, and you say, okay, you know what to do. Yeah, I know what to do. Okay, uh, why didn't you do it? You see, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. I'll say it to you this way. Knowledge is education. Wisdom is application. It, it takes wisdom to, to apply that truth to your life, which is why you can take someone that, that are, are armed with the same scripture and one will do harm and one will do good. Wisdom is knowing how to apply it. So knowledge, if knowledge is education, we can all get educated. There are some very well-educated people in the world that maybe you've encountered like me, and you go, that's not wise. You see the choices they make? Like, that's not wise. There's a difference. I'll say it another way, in that wisdom is not measured by degrees, but by deeds. Truly, to be truly wise, James says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by their deeds, not degrees on the wall. Interesting. I, one time I worked for a pastor. I was his worship pastor and a um, and, and very wise man, uh, very gentle, very kind. And I was surprised one day to find out all the degrees this man had. He didn't even have them on the wall in his office. I was talking to his wife one day. She began to list off the master's degrees, the doctorate work that he had done, and I had never known it because he didn't start off that way. But he did have good deeds, which is why I could go to him with questions because I could see the goodness of life in him. You see the difference. And so uh, Ephesians 5, this is what it says. It says, be very careful then how you what? Help me. How you what? Live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Again, Ephesians is connecting wisdom, not to knowledge, but your life. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And so so James continues here, James 3.14. He says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual, Get this, demonic. So there is a demonic activity in our world that is labeled as wisdom. So there is a wisdom from above, from God, and there is a wisdom from below that is demonic activity. And the demonic activity of this, quote, wisdom from below 
is always rooted in envy and jealousy, selfish ambition. You know, one of the, one of the statements of the satanic faith is to thine own self be true. That's just one of their statues. To thine own self be true. So even this kind of wisdom from below that, that James says is unspiritual, it's earthly, it's demonic, what's the root? The root is self. And so we got, we got to deal with that selfish ambition, bitter envy, jealousy in our hearts because that kind of, that kind of root is demonic in nature. So here's wisdom from below. It can be characterized by jealousy, selfish ambition, and arrogance. Arrogance. You see, wisdom from below, we, we see a lot of it in our world today. The, 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 the wisdom from below says, I know more than you. I know more than you. And, and so I will argue and fight, and I, I, will, I will stir up controversy. That's, that's wisdom from below. That is demonic. Wisdom from below says, says, look at me. I have all the answers. And you're stupid to think any differently than me. Does this sound familiar to anybody? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, James calls that demonic. Wisdom from below. James describes a kind of wisdom that is driven by selfish motives and desires. It is characterized by bitter jealousy, which is resentment and envy towards others, and selfish ambition, which seeks personal gain at the expense of others. And so someone may be a great businessman, but they leave bodies in their trail. I, I remember I, I, I worked for someone like this years ago uh, when I was in management. There was it was somebody that actually I reported to, and uh, and this particular person was just like well known in our region for leadership and getting things done. Like they were a doer. If you want to get it done, you use them. I'm like, yeah, you use them, but she's hiding the bodies in the back room <laughs> because she will take you out if it meant promoting herself. I mean, it was like it was it was like. If, the, if, if only, like, you know, the executives knew what was happening at the grassroots level. Like, and, but they praised, they praised it because on paper it was increases. <laughs> but at the grassroots, people were getting crushed. And so the wisdom was lacking there. And, and, and that is the worldly wisdom. Selfish ambition. Self-promotion. Envy. Jealousy. Rage arrogance like you just turn on the television you go on social media and you'll see the worldly wisdom of the arrogant uh, airing their ways I will even tell you that if you look within Christianity you will also find the same kind of arrogance except you just agree with their message because it's about the behavior it's about the humility that is godly wisdom. But arrogance and pride, selfish ambition, promoting oneself is wisdom from below. Wisdom from below. May that not be said of us. The world says, live for yourself. Live for yourself. 
acquire things, seek acceptance, flow with what is trending, promote yourself, pursue your personal happiness, instant gratification, materialism, consumerism, and fame. And yet, James says, it's demonic. It's unspiritual. It's earthly. That is not good wisdom. Wisdom to seek for yourself. So James 3.16, he continues, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Hmm. So if we try to attain through envy and through earthly means, it creates disorder in our life, disorder in our workplaces, disorder in our homes, and ultimately every evil practice. This verse serves as a caution to us, a cautionary reminder for believers to examine our hearts, examine our motives. It challenges us to seek wisdom, not of ourselves, but from above. And sometimes that's what we just need to do, is we need to just simply admit we don't have the answer and seek God for an outcome. I mean, truly, I think if we asked, went around the room and, and shared stories about times where, where some of us, we just, we just did not know what to do, but then turned to God and sought godly wisdom, the Spirit of God can lead us in, in ways that are far greater than ways of this world. I liken it to just that, that we get to have a prophetic edge against the enemy of this world. Because we can tap into the wisdom from above. And, and even you, whether it's in, in your personal life, in your work life, if we walk in the Spirit of God and we're led by the Spirit of God, we have access to the wisdom of God. And to live authentically in Christ, to walk this authentic life, is to walk in wisdom. Not just knowing, but actually doing. And what do you do when you don't know what to do? God, I need wisdom here to know what to do. I can't imagine living a life where I don't have that, as, that asset in my life, where I don't have that, 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 that line to God to go to. I can imagine that if you're trying to navigate the complexities of our world and you don't have access to the wisdom of God, I can understand just how terribly difficult that can be. And eventually, it, I can understand how one can just begin to lean on their own understanding and begin to promote self and begin to seek after the things of the world instead. I can understand that and let, until you find out that you have access to wisdom from above. James 3.17, it says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, first of all, pure. It's pure. Then it's peace-loving. It is considerate and submissive. And watch this, full of grace and mercy. Full of mercy and good fruit is impartial and sincere. 
I mean, how many of you want to encounter that kind of wisdom? That is impartial, that is merciful and not harsh. So, so the second thing I want you to know is that wisdom is gracious. To, to live authentically and, to, and to, to walk in wisdom, we are people of grace and mercy, impartial. And sometimes w- w- within the religious side of us, we go, oh, that just sounds like being soft. <laughs> uh, Jesus says you have to deny yourself, though. Pick up your cross to follow him. You actually have to let go of, of that side of you that has to fight for yourself and choose humility. It's tough, yeah, I know. But it's wise. It's wise to be gracious. It's wise to give people the benefit of the doubt. It's wise to be impartial because it helps find truth. So watch this. Wisdom from above and wisdom from below. Wisdom from above, it's first of all, wisdom from above is humble first. It's humble. Whereas wisdom from below is arrogant. Wisdom from above is pure, while wisdom from below is corrupt, has hidden agendas. Wisdom from above is peaceful, but wisdom from below gets defensive. So think about that and and your next encounters with people. Let the defensiveness come down and choose to be peaceful. Wisdom from below, above, is considerate of others, where wisdom from below is rude, is rude. Wisdom from above is logical, logical. We're gonna look at, we're gonna, we're gonna look impartially at the data, at the situation, consider both sides of the relationship, whatever it may be, and it's, cons- it's logical. Where wisdom from above, wisdom from below, man, I'm getting my wires crossed here. Wisdom from below is irrational. Uh, it leaves you, an irrational type of wisdom like is uh, it, 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 unpredictable. They're just irrational. And you're like, that makes no sense. Why would we make this decision? Why would we move in that direction? It doesn't make sense. Probably their pride's in the way, <laughs> which is at the top of the list. You gotta be humble. Wisdom from above merciful wisdom from below harsh harsh i think of daniel when i think of wisdom that is merciful um i think of joseph we'll talk about him in a little bit pharaoh has a dream joseph interprets the dream joseph knows that the dream that pharaoh had was negative towards the king that something bad was going to happen joseph's response was oh great king how i wish this wasn't about you merciful like he's going to deliver hard news in a in a in a palatable way right he could have been harsh he's like yeah dude you're done you're cooked you're toast you're dead. You made some stupid choices, and this is about to prove it. No, he says, oh, oh, king, how I wish this wasn't about you. Merciful. 
So merciful and harshness and wisdom is the wisdom to know how to articulate your words and how to control your tone. Remember last week we talked all about words, sparking off, making forest fires. Well, this wisdom is knowing how to formulate those words, how to form your tone. Wisdom from above is impartial, but wisdom from below has an agenda. Wisdom from above is authentic, but wisdom from below is just dishonest. So Joseph in the Bible, you can read Joseph's story. It's going to start somewhere around Genesis chapter 37, and it really goes through the end of Genesis. I love Joseph. Joseph's story is awesome. He's one of many brothers, and he's, he's the youngest, and he he's, he's, finds favor with his father, which drives his brothers crazy. So one day his brothers see Joseph coming, and they're like, oh gosh, here comes that dreamer. Remember, he had the dream the other week. He was standing, we were bowing. What a twerp. I mean, just a little annoying brother. And then one brother has this great idea. Hey, let's kill him. (laughs) And then we'll just tell dad he got mauled by a bear. And they're like, that's a great idea. Well, then Reuben, the oldest brother, who realized he would be accountable for that mistake as the oldest brother. He has that responsibility. He goes, oh, we ain't killing nobody. And so when Reuben wasn't looking, the brothers had a greater idea. I was like, why kill him and get nothing? We can sell him and get money. So they see this Egyptian crew going by. They sell their little brother as a slave. They get a little bit of side money. But then they take that special coat his dad gave him because he was his favorite, and they tore it up, they put ghost blood on it, and, they, and they, when Reuben came, they said, oh no, died. And so, uh, so Joseph gets sold into slavery, into Egypt, ends up in a prison. Long story short, Joseph um, turns out to be a very, very wise man. So wise that even while he was in prison, he ran the prison. And then they promoted him from that to, to uh, managing the household of, a, like, think of it as like an executive in the government, right? He ends up managing that man's household. So wise that he ended up as the second in command of the entire country. And he went there as a slave. He was very, very wise. But, 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 but listen to his wisdom. One time, this executive officer's wife tried to ensnare him and get him to sleep with her. She kept trying to tempt him and entice him. And every time, he would run away because wisdom from above is pure. And so pure wisdom has integrity and so in his integrity, he would always resisted this woman, always tried to stay away from her until she trapped him and made a lie that he had raped her and he went to prison. It was this whole bad thing. But he kept his nose clean. No matter the cost, he had integrity. He was humble. He never bragged. He was forgiving. I mean, listen to this. I mean, while in prison in Egypt, Joseph correctly interpreted Pharaoh's dreams about there was seven years of abundance coming because then there would be seven years of famine. 
And uh, Egypt uh, ended up being saved because of his interpretation of Pharaoh's dream. He had such wisdom. Joseph had such wisdom in that he also practiced a good life in forgiving and reconciling. So despite the fact that those naughty brothers of his sold him and betrayed him, Joseph displayed remarkable wisdom in forgiving them later on when his family came to Egypt because they heard that Egypt had food and no one else did because of the famine. He reconciled them and he even provided for their well-being. Joseph resisted temptation. When this executive officer, Potiphar, this executive officer, his wife again, you know, tried to seduce him, he resisted because wisdom is pure. It has integrity. Wisdom is a wisdom that is gracious. It, it is of, of mercy and compassion. And when his brothers stood before him in Egypt, and they, they came to Egypt seeking food that they heard Egypt had, they did not know that the official they were standing before was their little brother. Joseph had an opportunity to take revenge on his family, but instead he forgave them and handled the past hurts and moved forward. He had mercy and compassion. Wisdom from above has discernment and strategy. As a high-ranking official in Egypt, Joseph implemented a wise plan to manage and and distribute food during the famine effectively. His administration, administrative skills contributed to the nation's stability during a crisis. Wisdom from above can help you in your career aspirations. Wisdom from above will bless you in all the areas of your life. Wisdom from above can give you the giftedness and decision-making that you need to move forward even in the marketplace. And of course, Joseph uh, had a wisdom that was humble and trusted in God all throughout Joseph's life. He acknowledged God's role in his journey. He never took the credit. He acknowledged God's hand on his life that he had greater purpose. Joseph's story in the Bible is an incredible, inspiring example of wisdom from above. Wisdom and faith and forgiveness, resilience in the face of uh, adversity. His character demonstrated the importance of staying true to one's values, trusting in God's provision, and even enduring trying circumstances. Joseph really exemplified these things of, of how the wisdom we can have from above. And then James, he, he kind of concludes this in James 3.18, and he says, Peace may sh- sow peace and reap in righteousness. So the third thing I want you to know is that wisdom is peaceable. Wisdom is behavior. Wisdom is gracious. Wisdom is peaceable. Peacemakers sow in peace and reap in righteousness. But if you try to act righteous or self-righteous, you will actually disturb peace and cause chaos. Wisdom is humble. So here's the thing, church. As we grow in wisdom, we now become instruments of God's peace in the world. As we grow in wisdom, the peace of God will reach the world. And you know what Romans says about the peace of God? Romans says that the God of peace 
will soon crush Satan underneath our feet. So there's two kinds of wisdom. Wisdom from above, that is godly. Wisdom from below, that is demonic. And if you can tap into the wisdom from above, we become the instruments of the peace of God in the world, and it crushes the wisdom from below. It crushes the demonic activity in our life when we walk in the ways of God. The really, wisdom from above, it's all about, it's all about just living authentically. It's all about having a doing faith, not a dying faith. It's about the wisdom to know how to speak, when to speak, and how to say it. Remember James says, be slow to speak, quick to listen. Have you ever wondered why when you get to sit in the room with a, with, 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 with a very wise a uh, 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 senior, uh, uh, s- kind of an older person in life, some in their 70s, 80s, maybe even their 90s, and they don't say much. But when they speak, you better listen. Have you ever noticed this? When you get into the room with maybe someone that has been, been walking with God many, 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 many years, and you, and you get to sit in a room with them, and you'll find that they're not... They're not telling stories that self-promote. They just listen. And then when they speak, you hear wisdom. Mm. As we grow in wisdom, we become instruments of God's peace in the world. Let me tell you what Proverbs also says. Proverbs says, the beginning of wisdom is this. The worship team, you guys can come up. The beginning of wisdom is this. Go get it. Get wisdom, though it costs you everything. Get understanding. So authentic living looks like we are pursuing wisdom in our life. Stop thinking we know it all and pursue wisdom. The perp- be purposeful in the pursuit of wisdom. James 1.5. Remember, in the very first week of this series, James says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Ask God. Maybe you're here today and maybe you are in a circumstance where you don't know what to do. I don't know what to do in this relationship anymore. I don't know what to do in this business that I'm in. I don't know what to do in this circumstance. Ask God. Listen to what James says. Who gives generously to all without finding fault. In other words, God doesn't say, oh, you really messed this one up, so I'm just going to have to let you just figure this out on your own. That might be how we would respond to somebody. You know what? You goofed up so bad. You've been such a goof. You've been so disobedient. You're on your own. I'm not helping you. Well, James says, no, that's not how God works. God says he will give generously to all without finding fault in you. And he will give you the wisdom that you need to get out of what you're in. So if you lack wisdom, you should ask God. And also, this is what Proverbs 9.10 says. Proverbs 9 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. 
So if you're here today and you're like, I need wisdom. I need wisdom. I need to know what to do when I don't know what to do. I need wisdom because I, now I see, man, wisdom is really about fixing my character too. Humility and getting that pride out, getting that arrogance out. I need to be less defensive. I really need to work on my tone. Well, well here, here's the thing. This kind of wisdom that we spoke of today would sound awesome to even the unbeliever. And maybe you've not made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Well, but yet, if you want this kind of wisdom, it really begins with God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So if you really want to begin a new journey in this life, and you want to live in, with wisdom to not make some of the past mistakes you've made, well, the beginning of that decision is really a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You have to let him be the Lord of your life, your Savior. You see, we've all made mistakes. We've goofed up. James says if we've broken any of God's law, we're guilty of it all. So we all stand before God guilty of sin. The reality is if you, if you hit the factory reset button on humanity, we all deserve hell. But God is so wise, so gracious, so merciful that he decided to do something huge, huge, that would change humanity forever. God decided that he's going to send his son, fully man, fully God, to, to live a perfect life that you and I never can. And then Jesus died a criminal's death that you and I deserved. And by doing so, his perfect life, given as a sacrifice, pays for all of our mistakes, all of our sin, all of the things that are just uh, disgusting in the eyes of God, all the things, decisions we've made, all the mistakes. Yeah, Jesus decided to take the punishment for all our mistakes. And in doing so, if we put our faith and trust in him, he is faithful and just to then forgive us of all of those mistakes and cleanse us. He gives us a brand new life, a second chance, a second go at it. He, and he takes all of those mistakes that, that just like harass your thinking about, oh, I still can't believe that I did that. And you feel lousy, you feel guilty, you feel shame. And you wish that no one ever knew the mistakes you made. You wish you could forget about it. Yeah, God takes all of that stuff. And he removes it as far as the east is from the west. In other words, it's infinitely far away, never to be seen again. He gives you a clean slate, completely forgiven and forgotten. That is the beginning of wisdom, is to recognize that you need a Savior. You need a Savior. Would you stand with me this morning as we pray? Here in a moment, like we do, we're going to sing one last song. And as we do, you, you, you might need to take a moment because maybe there is something that you need wisdom in today. And you can ask God who gives generously without finding fault. If you need wisdom, maybe in your finances, God isn't going to say, sorry, dude, you made some terrible mistakes. 
No, he's going to give generously without finding fault. He will give you direction. If you need wisdom in your marriage, in your family, in your workplace, he will give you he give it generously today. So in a moment, maybe some of us just need to ask God today for wisdom. Moreover, maybe someone's here today, you're like, I do need wisdom in my life. But it starts with a relationship with God, and you can do that too. You can yield your life to him, ask him to just come into your life, and you can hit that starting line of a brand new life with the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me today as we pray? Father, I just pray that you would grant those here today with wisdom from above. May we be wise in our words. May we be wise in what we do. Lord, may we be authentic followers that are wise in the workplace, wise in the marketplace, that we are wise in marriage, wise in parenting, wise in our lifestyle of worship. Make a way, Lord, where there seems to be no way because of your great wisdom. Thank you for the grace and mercy that you've given us in the times that we've been unwise. And may we be instruments of peace that will crush Satan under our feet. Now if you're here today and you're, and you're ready to say, I need a brand new start at life. I need God to forgive me of all of my mistakes, all my failures. If that's you today, you can pray a prayer like this with me. I'm going to pray. You can, you can use my words. You can use your own words. But you just pray. You can pray in the quietness of your own heart. You can pray out loud. And it just sounds like this. God, I, I need you in my life. Would you forgive me of all of my mistakes and failures? I recognize that I've tried to do it on my own, and I can't go another day without help. And I know that you are my help, and I need saved from myself, would you forgive me? Would you give me, Lord, a, a, a new way of life? Because I need wisdom to know what to do, but I know the, the smartest thing I can do is to submit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray a prayer like that, I want you to know that changes everything. But now go and do. Go and do and have living faith. Let's sing together one last song all together this morning and let's ask God for wisdom from above.